Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here today joining you, uh, taking your calls and your texts live on the air. Calvary Live is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, and you can call in with your prayer requests. We have pastors standing by every day from or every weekday, rather, from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time, even though I say Mountain Time because we're syndicated in a lot of places. I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, we have pastors every day for this hour standing by to take your calls, uh, to pray with you for your prayer requests, to lift those up to the Lord, and answer your questions about the Bible and about theology. Maybe you have questions about what the Bible says about things that are going on in the world right now or about things that are going on in your life. We're standing by to answer those questions for you and uh, excited to hear from you. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That text line, once again, is 720-336-0897. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and up into southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. You're hearing the show live today. It is a Friday. It is Friday, February the 4th. And uh, so those of you listening on Grace FM, both over the air and those of you listening on Grace FM Dot com and the Grace FM app. You're all hearing this show live today, and uh, we say welcome to you. So glad to have you with us. I'm broadcasting today from Longmont, Colorado, so I'm here in Colorado. Uh, that's where the show is out of. And uh, we also want to greet those of you who are listening on Radio by Grace, which is a network of radio stations as stations all over the U.S. They're based out of Amarillo, Texas, but they have a lot of stations all over the U.S. And you're also hearing the show live. Just a few weeks ago, we went uh, completely live with Radio by Grace, which is really cool. That means that people all over the country in different places, different cities all over the country are hearing the show live today. So welcome to those of you listening on Radio by Grace. We'd love to hear from you as well. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And text line is 720-336-0897. I also want to greet those who are listening on Hope FM on the East Coast in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee. Uh, we also want to greet those who are listening on Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. So those three stations, you're hearing this show on a one-week delay. So we want you to just kind of keep that in mind, know about it, but also use that as an opportunity. Still 
call in, send us your texts, your questions, your prayer requests. And as we answer them, you'll know that your show that you're on is going to air one week later. And you can use that as an opportunity to invite some people or share the share the share that word with some people that you're going to be on a week later and that they should tune in. Maybe that's a great way to introduce them to your local Christian radio station. But wherever you're tuning in from, whether it's online or over the air radio We're so glad to have you with us today. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. Uh, We're standing by to answer those questions. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. My name is Nick Cady. I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church in Longmont, Colorado. And um, I have been pastoring here for nine years. Prior to that, I pastored in Hungary for 10 years. And so, um, yeah, just so blessed and encouraged to be here on the Front Range, encouraged by what God is doing. I'm actually heading to Europe next week uh, for a pastor's conference. I'm going to be there with uh, Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll also be there and um, get to minister to some pastors and leaders over in Europe uh, during this time, really encouraged to be able to be with them and and hopefully be able to speak into their lives and into their ministries. So you could be praying for that. There's a Calvary Chapel Pastors and Leaders Conference taking place in Europe in Austria next week. So be praying for that. But like I said, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, our church recently moved into a new building, which is located very conveniently in Longmont. So it's conveniently located in such a way that people who don't live in Longmont proper can easily get to us. So we're right in between downtown Longmont and I-25, which is the uh, main thoroughfare here. And we're right on Highway 119. So we're on Highway 119 in between I-25 and downtown Longmont near County Line Road, for those of you who are familiar with this area. So what all that means is that uh, if you're coming from any of the surrounding communities here, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. And you can also find directions and more information about exactly where we're located, as well as ways to watch us online if you're not within driving distance on our website at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also listen to us every weekday on Grace FM at 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., as well as Sundays at 1 p.m. This week, we're back in our study through 1 Corinthians. Uh, We took a break from that for Christmas and then for the beginning of the new year, but as of last week, we're back in it. And this week, we start chapter 15, which is this incredible and also very long chapter about the resurrection. So that begins by talking about proofs of Jesus' resurrection and how we can understand that this is an integral part of the gospel. It isn't just that Jesus died for our sins, but apart from his resurrection, we would still be lost in our sins. But the good news is we can be sure that he rose from the dead because there's evidence. There were eyewitnesses. There were people who saw him and it was attested to in the word of God. So we hope you'll join us this Sunday, either in person or if you're close or online. If you're far away, you can find all the information you need about that on our website at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our first caller, Janelle in Sparta, Wisconsin. Hi, Janelle. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um, I enjoy your program and I just, I, I love hearing Grace M. I have an app on my cell phone. Um, 
My question is this. I want to just give you a 30-second background on me so that you'll understand where I'm coming from in my question. I've been a believer since 1971. I've come into a lot of different phases of spiritual growth, but the latest one, I guess, has been on the recognition that Christ is my righteousness. I can't make myself righteous. I don't live by my righteousness. It's his righteousness that I live by, and I'm just so I just praise God so much for that. Amen. My question is about the Jews in the Old Testament. Okay. I've been reading lately the book of Leviticus and the book of Numbers, and I'm finding out so many different kinds of offerings were required, and so many at one time. There's one place where it talks about offering like 13 or 14 bowls, and it was seemed like for a several-day period, it, it was seven bowls a day, and then there were some 13 bowls a day or 14 thrown in there. Yeah. And my question is, first of all, if you were uh, a family of just like maybe Joseph and Mary's size, where could you have generated all those animals from? Mm-hmm. How could you have done it? That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is how could you have been expected to remember in that culture everything that you were supposed to do? I mean, I can understand the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's, you know, if you really want to love Jesus, that's not really, um, if you if you think about what you're doing, mm-hmm. you can say, am I loving people the way Jesus would, et cetera. But with the offerings and what all was expected to be offered, how could they keep track of it? Mm -hmm. And how could anyone have felt like they were righteous, even though they were looking for Jesus who could save them by his righteousness? Yeah, no, good, good questions. And um, there's some really good answers to them. So there's a lot there. So let me just try and unpack as much as I can. And let me know if I forgot anything, okay? So, uh, first of all, you asked, you know, how could they afford all these animals? And that's a good question. Like, uh, the way, you know, that people kept wealth in those days, they didn't have bank accounts and things like that to hold their wealth. They would literally hold their wealth, usually in animals and livestock, because, you know, they generally hold their wealth for a certain amount of time, and they, you can also reproduce that wealth, etc., and so, I mean, even today, if you've ever looked at the price of cattle, like they, they're cost a lot of money, like several thousand dollars per head. And so if you had a lot of them, I mean, just think about that. If you're going to sacrifice seven bulls, let's say a bull, I think last time I checked, it was around like $8,000. But of course, this isn't my world. So any of you ranchers out there listening, you would know more accurately than me. But let's just say $7,000 uh, as a ballpark figure for a bull. So if you're sacrificing seven seven thousand dollar animals, I mean that's like almost fifty thousand dollars. That is a lot of money um, to be sacrificed on that day, and that's actually a big part of what it represented. Some people are like, why does God care so much about bulls and animals? Because bulls and animals represent money, and so this is when somebody's doing that. 
of course there's an aspect of it that is like this is a living creature it has blood that is shed that blood is shed and the life is given and that's a very symbolic thing but also they just represented a lot of money and this is somebody giving their wealth as a sacrifice to the lord and that's a significant thing to remember about this um, okay, so that's part of it. Now, where would a family like Joseph and Mary have come up with that? Well, they wouldn't have, uh, frankly, just because they they weren't uh, even expected to. If you read uh, in the book of Leviticus there, and then it's applied in the Gospel of Luke, where it says that when they took Jesus to be dedicated in the temple, they brought two pigeons or turtle doves and sacrificed them. That was the offering that poor people would make. Like if you couldn't afford uh, sheep or, you know, a goat or any of the other animals, you would be allowed to sacrifice to pigeons, which of course were not very expensive at all. And so there were provisions made for the poor to be able to do these things. If I remember correctly, and I would have to go check, uh, some of those special times of offering where they were sacrificing multiple animals on the same day, those were for special events. They weren't for regular offerings. The regular offerings were oftentimes done, like, let's say once a year, you know, you would go up and make a special offering. And there were seven types of offerings. That's what the first seven chapters of Leviticus entail. But here's the other thing. Um, you know, you're hitting on something really important when you talk about righteousness, because it says in Colossians chapter two, that everything that came before, meaning the law, the, the sacrifices that were part of that system, all of those things were shadows of the things to come. This is Colossians chapter two, verse 17. These are shadows of the things to come, but the substance is in Christ. And here's, here's another verse to keep in mind. It says in um, Hebrews chapter 8, I believe it's verses 12 and 13, it says that the previous covenant, right? So the covenant which entailed the keeping of the law, the making of the sacrifices, that it was insufficient. Now, what, what about it was insufficient? Was there something deficient about it? Was there something wrong with it? Paul actually tells us in Romans chapter 7, that the law is perfect, righteous, and good, but I, meaning we as human beings, I am sinful and unrighteous. In other words, what Paul's telling us is the problem wasn't with and isn't with the law or the system. The problem is with us. The deficiency in the sacrificial system is not the system itself. This deficiency is in us that a symbiotic salvation, right, which means that I do my part and God does his part, we meet in the middle, is, is not able to work. And that's what we learned through the sacrificial system, is that all this work and all this effort, you know, the shedding of, of rams and bulls, etc., it's a ton of work. We can't even keep up with it. We can't even do it, no matter how hard we try. And even if we could, it still wouldn't be enough. And that whole thing, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter three was all meant to be a tutor, a school teacher that would lead us to Christ. In other words, the purpose of this whole thing was to show us that we could not save ourselves through a so-called symbiotic relationship with God, meaning I do my part, God does his part, and we meet in the middle. It had to be where it's all of grace. It's all God's work of salvation. That's why Jesus' name, why, you know, of all the names you could choose, God says, 
call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's Matthew 1, 21. And what does the name Jesus mean? God who saves. That's who he is, and that's who God is. He is the God who saves. Just to call Jesus our Savior implies that we need a Savior, and it implies that we cannot save ourselves. And that's the whole point of the law through and through. So it wasn't that the law was like God's plan A, and then he saw that we couldn't do it, and then he came up with plan B, which was to send Jesus. No, no, no. From the beginning, it was designed this way so that we would realize the futility and our inability to save ourselves and that we would come and receive the grace that is offered to us freely in Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. Amen. That's I think so, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I just I, I rejoice in it so much. Mm. Mm. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much. That really helps me. Janelle, I'm so glad, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in, and that's awesome that you're able to listen there in Wisconsin on the app. I hope that hope you spread the word to your friends and neighbors there in Wisconsin. Oh, yes, definitely. Cool. I sure am. God bless you. Keep reading that Bible. Oh, definitely. I shall. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. And with the end of that call, that means that we have one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Call us with your Bible questions. Call us with your prayer requests. We're standing by to talk to you. So 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to Tony in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Absolutely. What's up? Uh, well, I love Calvary Chapel forever. Uh, first church I went to in California when I was a non-believer. Nice. And, um, Where did you go? I, Which church did you go to I in California? Went, oh, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith. Oh, Pastor I've Smith. heard of him. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Everybody knows him, uh, about him. About him. Uh, anyways, um, um, I have a question that is always bugging me, and it's uh, about God improvising. Is there a verse in the Bible that says that he never improvises since uh, he knows everything, uh, he is everywhere and all that? So uh, that's my question, and I also have a prayer request uh, for, for, uh, for uh, mainly for me. Um, I need healing. I, all of your radio listeners uh, pray for me back in September. Uh, I'm sorry, July. Uh, because I was going to have surgery on my tumor. Uh, it went fine, but I need healing. Uh, my optic nerve was damaged, and I know God can heal me uh, because uh, I, really need to, I really need to be healed if it's his will, and I know it's his will, but at the end of the day, you know it's his will, right, whichever it is. So I need prayer for me. Uh, you know, a transition that I'm looking at right now is God. I, I have a huge tradition for service, a strong desire to serve Him full time that I never felt before. And um, I am serving and evangelizing a church, serving a church, and doing so many things, taking classes, Bible classes uh, that I never took. So I need prayer. You know, I need. Uh, I need, to, I need to be healed uh, physically, emotionally, and uh, all of that. So okay. hopefully all of you radio listeners uh, can pray for me. Yeah, so let, let, me answer, let me answer your question, and then I'll pray for you. So your question had to do with, does God ever 
you know, is he improvising? Is he making things up as he goes? Uh, the, the one verse that comes to mind is Numbers 23, verse 19, which says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he a human that he should change his mind. God has said, will he not do it? He has spoken, will he not fulfill it? So, you know, I think the difficulty with us is that we experience time, you know, moment by moment. Um, and yet God is able to see the beginning from the end. He knows it all. He's able to see it like from above. Like if you were to watch a parade on the street, you would see each part of the parade pass you um, as it comes, you know, into your vision. And then as it's right in front of you, and then as it's a little bit farther down the road until it eventually disappears. But if you were to go up on top of a very tall building, you would be able to see the entire parade from beginning to end and all the other things happening on the streets below. And it's a bit like that with God, right? So it's hard for us to comprehend how God can know all things. And yet it feels like, and as we experience time, that things are happening and God is reacting. And sometimes the Bible uses that kind of language, but it doesn't use it in a sense of saying, this is what God's doing. It's using it as a sense of helping us understand things as they unfold in front of us. And yet God knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. He has a plan for what he's going to do. And like it says here in Numbers uh, 23, he doesn't change his mind. So uh, if that helps, I, I hope it does. I don't think that God is improvising. Um, and yet, um, you know, from our perspective, it can often seem like things are happening dynamically, right? In the moment, we're never sure what's going to happen next. I think there's a lot of comfort in knowing that God knows the beginning from the end. He knows how the story's going to end, and he knows what he's going to do uh, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So let's uh, pray for your optic nerve. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, we pray for Tony, and we do pray, Lord, for healing uh, to this damaged optic nerve. Lord, we pray that you would, um, Lord, hold him in your arms, Lord, that you would touch him with your healing hands. And Lord, that truly he would be healed from this. Lord, we pray that he would be healed so that he can do work. Lord, we pray that he would be healed so he can serve you. But Lord, we also remember what happened with the Apostle Paul. Lord, how in his weakness, your strength was made perfect. And so Lord, I pray for Tony that in his weakness, in his infirmity, that your strength would be shown to be perfect. And Lord, you would show yourself to be strong on his behalf. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Absolutely. God bless you, Tony. All God right, bless you all. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got two open lines. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Renata in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Renata. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. My question is, I've, I've been a Christian for a while, and I'm not sure what God's voice sounds like. I don't know what I'm listening for. I know that sounds silly, but I, I just, I don't know his voice. Hmm. Well, I would tell you this. I mean, I, I think that, um, 
probably there's some degree of expectation in there, right? Like we read about people in the Bible who heard from the Lord, like we read about Abraham, God's speaking to him, and somehow he recognizes that it's God. Uh, we read about it in the New Testament as well. And um, it, it can be hard right, to say, okay, what does that sound like for me? Like, how do I know if I'm hearing it? Why does it feel like I'm not hearing it? I would tell you this, that I firmly believe that if God wants you to hear something or he wants to speak something to you, that he is going to speak it to you. And it will be one of these things that you can't ignore. So here's my advice is that you understand that God has spoken through his word. He also wants to speak in other ways, right? And, you know, this kind of direct um, word from the Lord that kind of comes into your mind, if you will. I, I don't think that that's the majority way that God speaks. I think the majority way that God speaks is through his word and through other believers. I've just been teaching recently in 1 Corinthians, um, just finished fourteen chapter 14 this past Sunday. And, you know, that's a lot about prophecy. And, you know, what prophecy is, is when God speaks to his people, through his people, words of encouragement, consolation, edification. And so I would say that that's an often neglected way is that, you know, be in fellowship with other believers and allow God to speak to you through them. Be reading his word and receive it as God's word to you. And, you know, I think that when God wants to kind of break through and say something unique or something that is for that moment and by his spirit, it comes on you like this impression. I, I've sometimes described it as almost a sense of doom, but in a good way. And I know that might sound weird, but here's what I mean. It's this sense of like, if I don't do this, I will be messing up. Like, I have to do this thing. This is what God wants me to do. It's just a very strong conviction in my heart. And I think that we should be hesitant to say that we heard from God on something, right? Like, sometimes we need to take that thing, like Mary in, in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, store it away in our hearts, right, and ponder it and see what God might do through it. Like, it might cause us to act and move, but rather than just going out and telling everybody, hey, God spoke this to me or God spoke that to me, sometimes we need to hold those things close and respond to them um, and act upon them. And in time, it will show, okay, that truly was from the Lord. And then that's when we can have a testimony and say, you know, the Lord spoke to me about this. I, I prayed about it. I waited upon the Lord. And I truly believe that this was a word from God. So I hope that helps. I'm not sure that I, uh, yeah. Would it be almost like you're driving somewhere and you hear something say like, don't go in that lane because there's a car coming? Yeah, sure. Would I that think be that kind can... of something that, like that yeah that can happen for sure okay okay well thank you for clarifying that yeah yeah my pleasure i hope that uh truly you do hear god's voice speaking to you and you know the way he speaks to us is by his spirit who indwells us who believe and so there's there's a lot there so okay thank you all right bye-bye mm -hmm. hey 
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We're coming right up to our mid-show break. And so we've got two open lines. We're going to go to Megan in just a few minutes after our break. Um, but for now, let me just tell you, we got two open lines. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, our text line is open. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Call us with your prayer requests. Call us with your questions about the Bible. We're standing by to take those and answer those and pray with you. I see that Megan's here waiting, and Megan, we're going to get to you right after the break. I just don't want to uh, take your call and then have to put you back on hold real quick. So in the run-up to the break, let me tell you guys, I have a podcast. It just uh, came out with season two yesterday, and the first episode of this new season is about the topic of adoption and how adoption is a picture of the gospel. Something you might not know about me, I do have an adopted son and uh, something that's close to my heart, but I also believe it's a very practical way that we get to live out the gospel. So if you're looking for that uh, podcast episode, go check it out on my website, nickkady.org, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. And we'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, and I'm your host every Friday here on Calvary Live Glad to be with you again. Let's go to our next caller, Megan in Colorado Springs. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the program. Hi. What can we do for you? Um, I just need some a prayer request. I I want to keep it pretty vague if I'm allowed to. Sure. <laughs> um, I just I went through a divorce and went through some stuff and I'm kind of got lost in my faith and in myself Mm. and had to make some hard decisions and I just need prayer for strength for those decisions and um, forgiveness and wisdom and basically all of it. (laughs) Okay, right. Hey, that's so cool that you're seeking the Lord. So let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Megan, and Lord, we're just rejoicing um, that she's seeking you in this difficult time in her life as she faces these hard decisions. Lord, we thank you that um, you're bringing her to this place of realizing dependence upon you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would show yourself faithful, and Lord, pour out grace upon her during this time. Lord, we pray that she would experience the peace that comes from your presence in her life. Lord, we pray that she would experience, Lord, an overwhelming sense of how much she has been forgiven. Your word says, you yourself said, Jesus, that those who are forgiven much love much. And Lord, I pray that you would help her to just be overwhelmed with how much you have forgiven her and that that would in turn cause her to respond by forgiving others. And so, Lord, we pray for her to have the strength and ability to forgive 
Lord, we pray for your guidance in making these very hard decisions that are in front of her. Lord, we pray for your strength in her life, Lord, that you would give her the strength to do the hard things that are what she needs to do. And Lord, give her really pure guidance as to what she should do. And Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, if it's, if it's something that you want her to do that maybe she isn't feeling inclined to do, Lord, would you give her the conviction of your Holy Spirit to help her to do that which is in accordance with your will and which is ultimately going to be the best for her and for others. So, Lord, we pray for her. Give her wisdom, guidance, strength, and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Megan. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you every Friday, taking your calls and texts live on the air. With the end of that call, we have two open lines once again. Actually, make that one open line now. That's 303-690-3000 to call in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Vanessa in Fort Lauderdale. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hey, what can we do for you? Um, I just called to ask for clarification. I had a question. I'm just calling to see what happens when a person passes away a believer and also a non-believer? What happens? Do they go straight to heaven, a believer? Or do they rest somewhere? Mm-hmm. I don't really I'm yeah. yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, to, the simple answer is that their soul goes to be with the Lord. So they go to be with God in his presence. We know that from like Second uh, Corinthians 6, it says that to be absent, or sorry, it's Second Corinthians 5, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when a believer dies, um, they don't go into like, some people have said, you know, that they their soul sleeps and then they're awakened on the resurrection. But we have this very clear picture from Second Corinthians chapter 5. It says that to be absent from our bodies as believers is to be present with the Lord. Furthermore, Jesus told the thief on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And so um, it seems pretty clear that the soul of a believer goes to be with the Lord um, upon their departure from this world. Now you asked about those who are not believers. They would go to what's called hell and Hades. They're kind of the same thing, two words that describe the same thing. Um, of course, hell being an English word, Hades being a Greek word. Um, it's interesting that the Bible describes um, this place called Sheol. So this is described a lot in the Old Testament, that when somebody dies, whether they were a believer or not a believer, they would go to Sheol, which was the holding area, or you could call it the waiting room, um, for what comes next. And Sheol was divided into two sections, one for those who uh, died in faith, and therefore were declared righteous. And that was called Abraham's bosom. That was a place of comfort as they awaited the redemption that the Messiah would bring. This is before Jesus. And then on the other side of that same place called Sheol, it was divided and separated, by Jesus said, by a chasm. And the other side of that was called hell or Hades, which is a place of torment as those souls waited their eternal, um, or I guess you say their ultimate, fate. 
And we're told in the book of Revelation what that ultimate fate is. And it says that hell and Hades will be emptied into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So that would be what will eventually happen after the judgment, which is to come, the judgment day when Jesus returns. Um, as for believers, though, you know, instead of going anymore to Abraham's bosom, that waiting area, as we wait for the redemption the Messiah has brought, because the Messiah has come and died for our sins and rose from the grave so that we could have new life, um, now, if a believer dies, they go right to the presence of God. Well, that's wonderful, and it's very comforting. Absolutely. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So, I'm so happy that he came and died for us. I'm so happy about that. Me too. I thank too. God for Jesus. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Vanessa, thank you for calling in. Great question. You're very welcome. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Anytime you hear a call end, you know that that's a good opportunity for you to call in and get on with your question or your prayer request. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Rick in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Pastor Rick, taking my call. Uh, prayer request healing for a daughter, a friend of mine. Her name is Karina. She's still in the hospital. She had an accident January 6th, so she's still in the hospital. Okay. And the other one is that lady that she mentioned about hearing the voice of God. Mm-hmm. I had that experience when I was in San Diego, we're about to uh, leave the small shopping center. I look around my right and I look around my left. And I'm, when I'm ready to go turn left, I heard the voice and I stopped. And my wife asked me, why did you stop? That question, I did not answer it. And there's a car coming from my right side. So that's why my, my testimony that I stepped, I listened to that voice. And if I did not listen to that voice, I'm, I'm not here talking to you right now. Wow. wow. That's my well, testimony. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, so you had a prayer request for Karina. You said she's been in the hospital since January 6th. Is that right? That's a long time. Okay. Well, let's pray for her. Heavenly Father, we pray for Karina, just all of us who are listening to this show, all of us tuning in. Lord, collectively, together, as the people of God and the body of Christ, we lift up Karina to you. Lord, we ask for her healing. We ask, Lord, that she would recover and that she would be able to come home out of that hospital, uh, return to her home, Lord, at full health. And so, Lord, we pray that whatever's causing her to be ill or whatever injury she's sustained, Lord, we pray for healing. Lord, we know that you did it in the Bible, and we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we ask, Lord, that in the powerful name of Jesus, you would heal Karina. And we pray this again in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. God bless you, Rick. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If you have questions about theology or how the Bible speaks to certain areas of life or situations you're facing, we'd love to answer those questions for you. 
Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, RJ in Colorado Springs. Hi, RJ. Welcome to the program. How are we doing today? Doing great. What's I up? Wanted to, wanted to see if you could just elaborate on something quickly. I'm probably going to lose my cell here in just a sec. But talk about um, spiritual warfare after leaning in closer to Christ, why it's more important to lean in a little bit farther, and how we can find that in, in the Bible, and really just some prayer for my own life and my own dealings with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, spiritual warfare is something that's taught throughout the Bible. If you really look at um, even starting in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, there was spiritual warfare, meaning that a spiritual being, Satan, was tempting the very first humans to sin. And the way that he tempted them was by questioning what God had said, and not just questioning God's word, but questioning God's character. Right? He essentially, um, in, he essentially was insinuating that God did not have the best interest of the man and the woman in mind, right? That God was actually not a good God and not a loving God, nor a God who could be trusted, um, and therefore not a God who deserved to be obeyed. And so, you know, he told the people, you know, has God really said this to you? You know, God had told them, don't eat from this tree, because if they did, they would die. And he said, are you sure that's true? Maybe God's trying to withhold something from you that would be enjoyable to you. So we see these mind games that he's playing, but also he's playing um, and challenging the the character of God and the Word of God. And we see that going on throughout the Bible. And the Bible would tell us um, in other places, it tells us how there came to be uh, Satan and demons, you know, that Satan was an angel and that he rebelled against God in, a, in an attempt to usurp God and take his position and elevate himself to the position of God, dethrone God, if you will, and that many angels followed him, about a third of the angels followed him in this rebellion. That led to them being cast down. And now it says that Satan, in the book of Job, roams the earth looking for whom uh, he can devour, is what it says in First Peter. And so all that to say, um, we're told that there are powers and principalities, and that speaks of the demonic forces so on the one hand, we know that they have power, and yet we know that in another way, their teeth and their claws have been removed by Jesus on the cross, and eventually he will destroy them completely. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so that's, that's important that we understand this, that though these things exist, their power is limited and in many ways, their ultimate power has been removed by Jesus on the cross. And on one day, they will be taken away completely. And what's really interesting to me is this idea that why are there still these demonic forces if Jesus already defeated them on the cross? And the answer is that Jesus is putting them to ultimate humiliation, we're told in 1 Corinthians. And the way that he does that is by essentially causing the things that demons would seek to accomplish to backfire against them. Now, in some cases, though, they still do accomplish what they seek to accomplish, which is to, to uh, kill and destroy and to bring lies, right? To tempt and to, to um, deceive. 
And so it's really important for us, therefore, to prepare ourselves for that. And uh, we have a few verses that talk about exactly how to do that. Ephesians 6 is a great one. And 2 Corinthians 10 is also really good, where it talks about taking captive every thought to Christ um, and understanding that the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but spiritual, um, by which we tear down strongholds. And so it says there in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God. And if you look through this, it says, you know, do that so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And then if you look through it, though, it's really interesting because all of the armor that takes place, it makes it clear that the, the realm in which spiritual warfare takes place is on the battlefield of our minds primarily, right? It's Satan lying to us as he does, right? He seeks to uh, he's a father of lies, Jesus said in the Gospel of John. And that's what he does. He lies. And so what does he lie about? Well, he lies about who God is. He lies about what God thinks about us. He lies about, um, you know, making false promises and telling us that, hey, this would be great to do this, when in fact it would not be great. And so we need to be able to uh, withstand those temptations and those lies. And the way we do that, it says there in Ephesians chapter 6, is by putting on the full armor of God. So it gives us a list there, right? Um, it says, having been fastened with the belt of truth. Think about it, if you don't have a belt holding your robe, everything's going to come apart. So you need that belt to hold it all together. And that's the truth of God's word that holds all these things together. We put on the breastplate of righteousness, understanding that our righteousness is in Christ, guards our hearts. We put on the shoes of feet with the readiness of the gospel, right? In other words, our posture as we do this is not on the defensive. I think it's really important because I think when people think about spiritual warfare, they think about being defensive, but it says, no, 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 we're moving forward. We're going against, we're facing these things and we're moving forward and we're taking ground. And so we got to have our shoes on. Next is the shield of faith, which extinguishes the flaming darts of the evil one and the helmet of salvation. Right? The helmet of salvation protects our heads and our minds. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we take it up. And what do we do with it? It says that those are all defensive weapons, but the sword of the spirit is our offensive weapon. And the way we engage in this battle, it tells us, is through prayer and supplication in the spirit. So hope that makes sense. And I hope that you will not only say, yeah, okay, I get it, but that you'll actually put those things into practice. I, I really appreciate you elaborating, especially on the defensive versus offensive. Let's uh, look at it that I haven't taken yet. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for the question, RJ. Cool. God bless you. Have a good drive. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. With that, we have all open lines. Uh, we do have some text messages that have come in, and we'll get to those right now. But we have about 12 minutes left in the show, which means we definitely have more time for more calls. So if you're out there and you're like, oh, okay, I've been waiting for an opportunity to call in. Maybe you called in earlier when our lines were all full. Uh, now would be a good time for you to call in with your question. I probably got time for two to three more questions before the end of the show. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. 
Let's see here. First text message says this, Pastor Nick, could you please clarify the Bible tells us until all have heard, that is when the Lord will return, but we keep populating, of course. So could you please find that scripture of how to help us understand this is going to come about? Not that I doubt the Lord at all, just wanting to understand. Thank you. Yeah, so um, that's something that Jesus said. Um, and let, let me look up the verse for you. I believe it was during the um, the sermon, um, sorry, it's called the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus says, and then the end will come once the nations have heard. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hard to look this up while I'm uh, talking. So I'll just tell you to look that up. You know, it's this verse that, where Jesus says that um, once all have heard, then the end will come. Now, it's really interesting because some people have taken that and they've said, well, therefore, it's on us, right? Like Jesus can't come back until we, the church, have accomplished our job of preaching the gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation on the earth. And so that's, um, you know, it, that has led to some really good things. So for example, it's led to missionaries trying to go out and tell every people group on earth the gospel. I think that's a fabulous thing. But I also think that saying that Jesus can't come back unless we do our job is misguided theologically uh, for several reasons. One was that the early Christians were in full belief that Jesus was going to come back in their generation, in their lifetime. And the reason they thought that was because Jesus had spoken in such a way which led them to believe that. And he did it on purpose. Now, this is interesting because Jesus knew that he wasn't going to come back in their generation. And yet he spoke in such a way that led them to believe that he at least was probably going to. Now, you might look at that and say, well, then did Jesus deceive them? No, Jesus spoke in that way for us in every single generation to be ready for his coming at any time. Which means this, that every generation of Christians up until this point has lived with the expectation that Jesus could come back at any moment. Now, that's important because you think about the early Christians, they were very much aware of the fact that there were large swaths of people and lots of people groups who had never heard the good news about Jesus, and yet they expected Jesus to come back in their time. So they did not believe that when Jesus said, that uh, the gospel would be preached to all nations, then he would return, that he essentially just gave them a uh, shopping list, right? Like, or a to-do list and said, okay, guys, if you want me to come back, make sure you do this or else I can't come back. Um, and so what does that mean? How does that all work together? Well, we would say that, look, if you look at the Bible, you'll notice that there's a return of Jesus that comes before the um, the great return great judgment. And that would be sometimes what's called the rapture, right? So this is what, what that means, that God will take up those who believe in him. He'll remove them from this world um, before a time of great tribulation comes upon the earth, God's temporal judgment that is to come upon the earth, um, which will lead to a great revival. So to give you the terms and how it would work like this, here's how it all fits together and makes sense. The rapture and the coming of Jesus in that sense can come at any moment. It could happen in five minutes from now. It could happen in 50 years from now. We really have no idea. And Jesus made it that way and wanted it to be that way. 
And so we should live with the expectation that it could happen at any moment. And there's nothing that needs to happen first. Now, after that happens, the nice thing, I think it's a gracious thing from God, is that a lot of people will see that. That will be a huge event, you know, something that everybody notices. And that will cause a lot of people to wake up, maybe people who had heard things and kind of just postponed responding or people who had written it off as not true. So many of those people will respond. But then also it says in the book of Revelation that there will be two messengers from God who will go throughout the earth and they will spread this news. Furthermore, it says there will be uh, over 144,000 Jewish evangelists who will go out into the world preaching the gospel. So that means that the time of the tribulation, which is a time of great trouble right before the return of Jesus, will be a time of not only great difficulty, but it will be time of great evangelistic efforts and movements. And so during that time, um, a lot of people are going to hear about the the good news of Jesus, and many people will respond. And I, I think that's cool. So just to answer your question, nothing has to happen in order for that next thing in the eschatological or end times uh, countdown to take place. And after that happens, then there will be a great movement, Revelation tells us, during that time of tribulation, in which all people of the earth will hear the good news about Jesus. So thanks for that uh, question. It was a good one. Let's go to our next caller. Uh, someone has a, it's an anonymous caller, so we'll just take your call. Hi, welcome to the program. In which all people here will hear hey there. You're on the air. I think you need to turn down your radio, and uh, we're right here. Hi there, are you there? Okay, this person might have set down the phone and uh, had their radio on. So let, we'll just go ahead and um, end this call, but I'll answer their question on the air. So the question was, what would happen if a man was having sexual relations with another man and he ended up dying? Where would he go? Yeah, so I mean, that's a that's a question. You know, I think if you changed it up and let's say it wasn't, a uh, question of somebody having sexual relations with another man. Maybe it was a man having sexual relations with a woman. Maybe it was a man, um, you know, sinning in some other way and then died without repenting of that sin. It's a great question. It's, it's one that a lot of people have thought about. It really comes down to this issue. Was this person truly born again? You know, because here's the thing. The Bible makes it clear, uh, like 1 John, for example, it says that if someone has truly come to know the Lord and been born again, then that person will not go on practicing sin. Now, what it means by practicing sin doesn't mean that you'd never sin again ever in your life. Think about what you practice, right? You practice the guitar, you practice your golf swing, you practice things that you want to improve at. And some people take that approach to sin where they say, not only am I going to do this, I'm going to do it some more and I'm going to keep do it. And I hope I get better at it, right? Like they practice sin in that way of a habitual uh, and intentional practice. So if somebody is habitually and intentionally practicing sin, first John tells us that that is a sign that that person has not been born again. There's a difference between two different animals, right? Like a pig and a sheep, right? So when, when you become a Christian, the Bible says, second Corinthians five seventeen, you become a new creation, a new animal, if you will. You went from being a pig to being a sheep. And the difference between a pig and a sheep is that um, 
They might both fall in the mud. The difference is that the sheep doesn't go out looking for the mud. A sheep doesn't wake up in the morning dreaming about the mud. The sheep falls in the mud almost like as an accident and then gets up and says, man, I hope I don't do that again. I regret that. Whereas the pig, they live for the mud, right? It's two different lifestyles, two different approaches to practicing because they're two different animals. And so if you've been born again, you might occasionally fall into sin, but yet the goal of your life is not to live in that place. The goal of your life is to repent and get right with God and become transformed into the image of Jesus and leave behind foolish and destructive things and live to please God. Whereas the person who is not born again, of course, doesn't have those same desires. And so is it possible that somebody could be born again and in a moment of weakness, sin in a very grievous way? And let's say if they died in the practice of committing that sin. You could say the same thing about suicide, for example. The answer, the question is, can that person still be saved and go to heaven? My answer to that would be this. If they are truly born again, which of course there's no way for me or you to know that, that's between them and God. But if they're truly born again, then not only have their past sins been forgiven, but even their present and even their future sins, because Jesus died once for all to die for all sins and make propitiation, right? To make a redemption sacrifice for all sins at all times, right? And so the question is, well, what if you didn't have time to repent of it while you were doing it? Well, what if you were driving in the car and you were having a, a terribly sinful, uh, imaginative thought, and then you crashed and died? I mean, it would be the same thing. The question is, was your faith in Jesus? Had you received the grace of God through faith? Now, that's a question that is truly one that only God can answer. I can't tell you that about your own heart, nor can you about anybody else's. But it, it does come down to this question of we should always be examining ourselves to ask whether we are truly in the faith. And so it's a good thing to ask that question. Have I truly been born again? What does the fruit of my life show? If the fruit of your life shows that you know, something that would indicate that maybe you're not really born again, that's a time for you to repent and get right with God and receive that grace that he offers you freely in, in Christ Jesus. So interesting and, and good question. Hopefully uh, that helps answer it. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Nick Cady, pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Join us in person or online this Sunday, whitefieldschurch.com. God bless you. I'll be with you again soon. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.